0: Good morning, 15 to 18s, how are you doing? What are the tiredness levels like? High. If 10 is very energetic and zero is, I'm about to be in a coma. Minus 10, okay, all right. Well, we haven't got long to go and God has still got some things to do. What, what, the, the special offering at New Day, I, I think is one of the most amazing, amazing moments And I just want to say just a personal word of thanks. Who was there at New Day in 2018? Can you remember back there? Oh, a whole bunch of you. That's amazing. 2018. So uh, about myself, I lead a church called Trinity Church London. We meet in central London in Waterloo. And it was in... Uh, 2016 that in a building just over there in the Norfolk showground, not at New Day but another conference here that someone shared a picture with me and I felt God speak as clearly as he's ever spoken in my life and I knew in a split second that my life had just turned 180 and we as a family were going to plant this church in central London. We are now four years old as a church, we're still a toddler. Thank you, yeah. (laughs) But what I want to say is that New Day actually partnered with us to enable this church plant to happen. We received £8,000 from you to help us establish this church, one amongst many in London who are open to the glory of God known in our city and amongst the nations. So I just want to say a thank you, and you are having an impact, New Day. You are having rippling impacts way beyond what you can see. One day you will see it, maybe not quite yet, but you're having an impact, Where are we going to turn to? 1 Peter, chapter 2. We've done a kind thing for you today, and the words are actually going to be up on the screen, and we're going to do something different. Can I invite you to stand? Because when we read the Word of God, we stand before God, we hear from Him, we honor His presence. The words are actually going to come up on the screen today, and I'm going to ask us all to read this together. Is that okay? And as you read it, you're reading it to your own heart. These words will be familiar now. And you're also reading it to the person next to you. So read it like a priest of God, confident, happy that this is the truth about you and that you're telling your person next to you with your voice, this is about them as well. So let's read together from verse 4. As you come to him, a living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. You yourselves, like living stones, So the honour is for you who believe. But for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offence. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvellous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Amen. Thank you. Praise God. Do take a seat. Let me ask you a question as we close out these four sessions, because we've looked at Christ as our cornerstone. We've looked at the spiritual house, what it is, what is the church. We've looked at our role within the church. We are the priests of God. I want to ask this question as we close. Why, why do you go to church? It's, like a, it's an actual proper question. Why do you actually go to church? I'm guessing you on Sunday, you get back Saturday, maybe on Sunday you're going to why do you, you might go to church because like, that's where your mum and dad go and you kind of get a lift with them. You, you're still going with your mum and dad. You go because you want to see your friends. You go because you want to learn about God. You, you go because you sing and you worship. You go because you're on the rotor and church suite has told you you've got to be there at 10 a.m. Why do you go to church? There, there were really good reasons to go to church. But if you took any of those reasons and said, okay, but, but why do you serve? Or why do you go with your parents? Or why do you want to see your friends there? Or why do you want to learn about God? Because theoretically, you could do each of those components by yourself. What with all the technologies we've always spoken about, why do you go to, to church? Or another way of putting it is, why does church even exist? what 's the, what's the point of this gathering of a body of people together in one place and I think you and I we, we need a, a big fat why in our hearts that there's that a foundation for us and our lives that will sustain us through the thick and through the thin and will keep us in church and in god 's purposes because those two things are the same because On Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, next week, there is going to be no new day. And you know about the new day high, right? Like at this point, especially, even as Juliet was leading out his prayer and thinking about home, I was like, even person's like, I'm not sure I really want to go home. I would love to elongate new day for just a while because this feels glorious. And there's difficulties at home. So there's this new day high and then there's this... And what what, what do you do when the adrenaline... Wears off, and you don't feel the same kind of things. And, and what do you do when you kind of measure your church against the New Day experience? Have you ever done that? You think New Day is like amazing, the band, look at the stage and the musicians and everything, and it works. It's, and then you get to your church, you're like, oh my goodness, we're still trying to figure out the right words for the right verse, and we're all standing there awkwardly. You think, why, why, why are you going to church? Your friends won't like it that you go to church. And so why? for some of you, who's in year 13 right now? Who's just done A-levels, finished school? It's over. Amazing. Who's leaving home anytime soon to go to work, go to uni? Amazing. Congratulations, by the way. Well done doing your exams. There's going to come a point... If you're moving out, if you're going to uni where there is going to be no one to wake you up to go to church. And more than that, you may have to go by yourself to meet another group of Christians who you don't know to go to church. And you have got to figure out, like, is the why of why I go to church bigger than my anxiety about this moment of me feeling lonely and meeting people that I don't know? It's going to be a church unlike my home church. It's not going to be the same. It's going to feel different. What is the reason why I'm going to make it happen and go to church and find my purpose in life in church? And Peter gives us a big why. All the other things, like going to learn about God because you're on a rota, they're really important things, but that's what we do. It's not why we do it. And Peter, in this passage, as he closes out for us, he gives us this big why. And he says this in verse 10. Verse 9, let me just read this. He says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So why is there a cornerstone for a church to be built? And why is there a spiritual house? And why are we called priests? And why do we offer sacrifices? And why are we a chosen race? And why are we called to be together? Peter says that you, New Day, may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvellous light. It is about the glory and the worth and the excellence of Jesus Christ. Christ. It is to see his glory known in your village, in your town, in your city, and right across the nations. That is the why of church. It is not about you and your calling. It is about the excellencies of Jesus being proclaimed. Amen? Amen. Another way of saying this word, it's like about broadcasting. It's about telling forth, broadcasting that Jesus Christ is excellent. He is someone who is worthy to be praised. The BBC, Sky, they broadcast the football, the news. The church, we broadcast the excellencies of Jesus Christ. So whatever you're doing when you go to church, the underlying reason is is to see the excellencies of Jesus Christ known. Peter says this later, he comes back to this theme, and he actually makes it practical. Because he says in chapter 4, verse 10, He says this, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. So gifts aren't just for you, they're to help other people. And as good stewards of God's grace, whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that this is another reason. This is him going back to that same thing that you may proclaim the excellencies. He comes back to it again in order that in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belongs glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So if you're on the rotor and you're doing AV, someone says, oh, you, you, what are you doing this week at church? And you're sat there behind the desk and you're flicking through, pro-presenter, trying to figure out the words, you can look up at them and say, I'm proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus Christ. If you are there early, and you're setting out chairs, and someone says, oh, you're on, you're on like set up today, it's like, yeah, yeah, because I'm proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus Christ. It's about Jesus. Uh, I first got invited to speak by my pastor who led me to Jesus, and he took this Crazy risk, and we did some tag team preaching when I was when I was very young. And I have to admit, like I really enjoyed it. I had this kind of burden to see what was in this book known in the hearts of other people. But I look back now, and those early moments when I was preaching, and even now, sometimes like now, I look back and I think actually, me preaching was mainly because I liked preaching. Like, I just like doing it. Like, it was great. I, I, I felt fulfilled studying and preparing, and I loved crafting messages. And, 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 and I'd, I'd missed this kind of, like, big foundational thing underneath the reason why you would even bother to open the Bible and proclaim Jesus. Because it's about Christ. It's not about me fulfilling my little calling that I might get to be fulfilled in my life. It's about Jesus Christ. Everything we have is designed to point to Him. Not to us, which is very contrary to our society. Because our society basically says that if you want to find life, if you really want to be fulfilled in this life, then what you need to do is is you need to really know who you are first. Like you've got to look inside yourself. You know this. Look inside yourself, like really analyze, find who you are. And then you've got to find a way of broadcasting who you are. Real fulfillment in life is people knowing who you are. And even more than that, like agreeing with who you are. And if you can do that, explain and express who you are. You can't talk to me. That's just who I am. Then you have a fulfilled life. Sociologists call it expressive individualism. You don't need to know that word. Maybe you do. Because this is the the waters that we're swimming in. And sociologists are talking about it. And we don't feel it because very much we are it. Like, we, we feel like, if I'm going to be fulfilled in life, I, I have to have this, like, thing within inside me expressed and, and fulfilled. I, 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 need to, I need to give myself to, to broadcasting me. And we do it through what we dress and what we wear and our social media. And if it's not on Instagram, did it even exist? I better put it out there so there's a marker in the universe that this thing happened, that I am alive. We're broadcasting ourselves. There are so many problems with this worldview. If if, if you're always looking in on yourself, if you're always trying to analyze yourself, what you will be looking at is a broken and imperfect person. You will always be struggling with feeling down and uncertain and shaky in the world. I was a champion introvert as a teenager. I knew how to search the hearts, looking, is there something special inside me? Is, am I going to be famous one day? What, is, this, is there something good inside me? Will I be recognized? What, what's inside me that's good? And I became anxious and depressed as I tried to study myself. Because the Bible says our hearts are deceitful. There is darkness and brokenness and imperfections in there. And if we're always looking inside ourselves, we will never find it easy to gather into a church. Because if you are focused on yourself and you're always thinking, how am I feeling? How am I being treated? What's going on in my heart? Am I having an opportunity to express myself authentically? If that's what you're always feeling, you're always going to feel like hurt, rubbed up, pricked by someone's words. Annoyed by other people, and you are going to find being in church quite difficult because who knows that church is imperfect? Anyone? All right, some really big hands going on there. Who knows that church can be annoying sometimes? All right, put the hands down. Not allowed to confess that here. And if you're thinking about yourself all the time, you're going to struggle. Jesus tells us to follow Him means picking up your cross and dying to yourself and following Jesus Christ. The way in which you are going to find a fulfilled life is not through you constantly thinking, how do I broadcast the excellencies of what's in my life? If only people knew the gifting and the talent and who I really am, then I would really get motoring. It's the church's fault. It's those leaders' fault. They're not recognizing all that God has put in me. If we're always thinking like that, we're going to struggle. But if our hearts and our attentions on the excellencies of Jesus, then we would happily lay down some of our preferences. And maybe this or that won't get recognized in a moment. But I don't mind because actually Jesus Christ is the one I want to see declared and proclaimed and broadcasted. And when we're all gathered around the throne of Christ, we all find our place in the world. One of my favorite moments just in life is is a Sunday morning with my church, worshipping Jesus. Because I feel like it's this amazing moment where we all, in a sense, get pushed to the sidelines once again, and we all look on the centre of the universe in the face of Jesus Christ. We all, as we lift our arms and gaze and worship Jesus Christ, we're all reminded again and uh, th- like physically and with our words and with the truth that I'm not the center. I don't have to stress about me in this life. It's all about Jesus. And the church is there to proclaim him. Because this is, this, this is what the world is actually all about. When you look at the trees and you look at the beautiful sky and you look around, and any of you traveled, and you see the world, and you, you see some glorious sights. God made all of this to declare and proclaim His excellencies. God is infinitely excellent, and perfect, and beautiful. And Him in Father, in the Son, and Son in the Father have been infinitely rejoicing in one another with this volcanic-like erupting, overflowing, ever-increasing, infinite joy in one another. And as they have rejoiced in one another, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, out of this overflow, they decided to proclaim their excellence further and beyond themselves so that other people might enjoy and worship him in his excellence, knowing this would be a good place for many other people to be. And so God creates the heavens and the earth and Psalm 19 tells us to declare his glory. The skies proclaim his handiwork. Day to day, they pour forth speech. Night to night, they reveal knowledge. Everywhere we look, we are looking at the eternal nature and the divine power of God. It's as as though we're living in this 3D art installation created by God. All of this wasn't just like the chance happening of physics. This was created by an artist whose name is God, who wanted us to live in this living, breathing 3D art installation made up of tectonic plates and the Himalayas and panda bears and the depths of the oceans and plankton and blue whales and ants and you and me so that we might walk around life and behold the excellencies of God everywhere we go. And every time we see another tree and a cloud and the sky and the depth and the minutiae of life and we discover more in science, our hearts would go up and say, Jesus, you are amazing. You are excellent in your worth and your majesty and your power. And yet what has happened is that We have turned from looking at God in all of his glory and splendor and excellencies, and we have turned in on ourselves. One German pastor, Martin Luther, he says, it's like we've become curved in on ourselves. So we've stopped looking up at Jesus Christ now. And we are more concerned with what is in us and our greatness and our excellencies and our fulfillment in life. And what happens when we do that is our hearts and our minds become foolish and darkened and we become blind. So the Bible talks about us living as blind people outside of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. So you, you have the glory of God right here in front of us. And you've been in that situation. Maybe you've been telling your friend at break time. And you're like, yeah, I went to church. and It was amazing. Or I went to New Day and I learned about Jesus. And it's like, it would be amazing if you came to church. Because he's, he's given me this joy and this peace and life. I love him so much. And, and they look at you like, like, what? Why would I want eternal life forever and infinite joy and a source of God who helps me in all things? Like, nah. You think, What? Why, why, why don't you want eternal life? It's not like I'm offering to give you a punch in the face. This is a good thing. It's good news. It's joyous. Nah, nah it's, it's all right. Because don't see it. It's not like you can't get frustrated at a blind person because they, they, they can't see a piece of art. So can you see? Like, it's amazing. Like no, no. I, I can't. You can't, you can't get, they just can't see. They're blind. Some of us remember those days. But here's the good news. We are to proclaim the excellence of him who called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. For those of us who are walking in darkness... God has shone his light into our heart so that we might behold the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Just as God shone in Genesis 1 out of the darkness to create everything that we have and so we might see all things. He has shone in our hearts that we might behold the glory of Jesus Christ. We might see him. And this is what it is to become a Christian. It's not finally to sort your life out, stop swearing so much, be a little bit more moral, make it to church a bit more often, maybe make it to you. That's not why becoming a Christian is seeing that Christ is excellent. He's glorious. This is what happened to me when I grew up as a church kid. Any church kids in the house grew up in church, colored in the the Sunday school sheets, all the disciples. I did all the Sunday school sheets, the little Bible memorization. I grew up in church. But throughout my teenage years, I, I, I really struggled. I, if you'd asked me, I would have said, "I'm a Christian." but my life w- would never have said anything like that. I struggled with all sorts of anxiety. I was trying to find basically who I was, and I basically bounced from one hobby to another, desperately trying to find who am I in this world. I started off trying to be a famous inline skater. Now, I know inline skates are not cool right now. But I tell you, back in the 90s, inline skating was cool. I wanted to be, a. I remember sitting on the train once and thinking, I'm going to buy these K2 fatty skates. And on these skates, I'm going to become a world champion. Uh, that's. What, I was like, I'm going to make it. This is how I'm going to make my name in the world. And after a while, I realized, oh, I'm kind of mediocre at this. I switched to BMXing. I was really no good at BMXing and I was too scared of landing like real. And then it switched to DJing. I spent all my money on some Technics 1210s. And I was like, I'm going to be a famous DJ. That is what I'm going to be. I want, I want. And I actually, I, my mates just suddenly could scratch and everything and I just couldn't hold a beat down. And they, was, they were like, oh my goodness, I give up. I struggled. And then as I told you, and I, like, I, I saw a picture of Arnold Schwarzenegger, which wasn't the best moment of my life. So I like, basically, I, my life, I just want to look like that. And then realized that that's not going to happen. I, I also developed an eating disorder. So by the time I was like 17, inwardly, I was a mess. I was a wreck. Just anxious, struggling, flitting between this, that, and what. I was like, I, I, I want. And then my pastor, David Chawner, He said, why don't you read the gospel of Mark? Just look at the life of Jesus. Just read it actually for yourself. Don't listen to your friends. Don't listen to me. Read the gospel for yourself. And what happened over these months as I read the Bible, just like a chapter a day or every other day, what happened is that as I began to study the life of Jesus Christ, God began to shine light into my heart so that I stopped looking in the darkness, fumbling around, trying to find something in me. And my attention started to lift. And I began to see that this man was actually captivating. I could follow this man. There was strength and kindness and gentleness and a ferocity in this man that I wanted to be a part of. And I started to say yes to Jesus and the light of God shone in my life. And I remember this one moment. I was walking home from church. Normally we all drove back as a family. For one minute, I, just, I, I walked home. And it was only like a 10-minute walk. And I remember this like, you, it, this weird moment. I was like walking. And I was like, looked at my legs. And I thought, I've got legs. I was like, legs? God, you made legs? That's amazing. And I was like walking like this. And I looked up. And I was looking at the sky. i like, God, you made the sky? Like, who are you, God, that you would do all of this? And suddenly, the smallest of things, like legs. I'd never looked at my legs. I was like, you just walk. Of course you walk. You walk everywhere. I was like, God, you you are amazing. And my heart began to be turned to Jesus, to lift up my gaze to him. And guess what? The journey since then has been an ever-growing journey into peace and joy in Jesus. We don't find it in ourselves. We find it in proclaiming the excellencies of Christ. And so when we gather as his people, what we are doing is we are syncing up with the purpose of this world. And here's the thing that happens. When we get called out of the darkness into the light, we find other people who have also been called out of the darkness into the light. There's Christians there. You think, you, oh, you're in his marvelous light as well. You're like, yeah, you're in his marvelous light as well. There is this plural thing that happens to all of us. So he says this in verse 10. He says, once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you have received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Once upon a time you were struggling trying to broadcast your excellencies by yourself and suddenly what happens, you get called into this place and suddenly you realise you're with this army of believers, brothers and sisters and together we are in his marvellous light proclaiming his worth because we cannot individually proclaim the fullness of the excellencies of God. Just as we can't know him fully without being in church, without being in church we cannot proclaim his excellencies fully. Because it is together in our diversity and our love and how we serve and love and honour one another that we actually lift up and glorify the name of Jesus Christ. You can't obey the Bible and fulfil the purpose of the world and the purpose of the church by going solo because so much of what it is to be a Christian is to do what the Bible calls these one-anothers, that you love one another that you honour one another, that you confess your sins to one another, that you help one another. And it's as we gather together with our diversity, all of our diversity, we come together and we look at Jesus Christ, this one man. We declare to the world that Jesus Christ is more excellent than anything that would divide us. He is better than anything that is in us. And as we come together, we say, this leader, this Jesus, this savior who died for our sins, he is worthy of all praise and all glory. And the world would look on and say, what would make like Filipinos and Ghanaians and people from England and even from Norwich come together in one place from all around the world and lift up one name, And they turn their eyes to Jesus and they would ask, this Jesus, how excellent is his worth and magnitude that you would all gather around this Jesus? And we as one church across the nations would say it's about his excellencies because he called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Amen. So what's our why? It's God's excellencies the need of our days is really is great because there is a th- there is a thick darkness across our nation people don't know jesus and and he he is establishing right now beacons of light in the darkness we looked a few days back at these these fires that were set up in the temple Fires to represent the the presence of God, the light of God. And John, Peter's friend, tells us that the church is actually a lampstand just like that fire in the temple. That in the darkness that we live in right now, that the church that you are a part of is this blazing fire that sets up like a beacon in the darkness, a safe point for people to come home to. That those who are walking in darkness might come into God's marvelous light and find joy. Jesus tells us, doesn't he? You are the light of the world. We sometimes hear that as me. I'm the light of the world, which is true. But when Jesus says you, he's saying plural you. Whenever you read you in the New Testament, you have to understand that almost always it's talking plural to you. You guys. You guys, New Day, this generation, you plural, your church, you are the light of the world. This is what he says. You are a city set on a hill which cannot be hidden. People don't hide a light and a lamp and put it under a basket and, and, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine, church, before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to God, your Father, who is in heaven. Your church is a blazing beacon for the glory of God. And as you throw your lot in with your church and say, I am going to give myself to seeing the excellencies of Jesus proclaimed, hope arises across the nation. I started at the very beginning by by saying there were three aims of these four sessions. The first one was to reveal by the Holy Spirit what the church is actually all about. The second one was to centralize your thinking and your efforts around the church. The church isn't peripheral. The church is central in history. And the third was a prayer that God from this moment would raise up a disproportionate number of leaders for Jesus' church and as we come to close we're going to give some space to respond because there are some of you I'm praying that in your heart when when you hear about the church something deep down in your gut goes yes, that is what I want to give myself to it's what happened to me when I was 17. I, it was like, I, I don't know where it came from. As far as I know, there are no pastors or preachers in, in my family. And, and I began to read the Bible and love Jesus. And this kind of burden, this weight began just to sit on my heart. I was like, I, I want the church to do well. I want the church to thrive I want the church to flourish in my generation. I want there to be an awakening. I want the church to reflect the glory of this Jesus that I'm reading about in his book. I want the church where it's sleepy to wake up. I want the church to lift up with loud voices of praise to this Jesus, to sing his glories boldly so that where there is this tiredness and do we even believe this stuff, there would be this awakening and the glory of God would begin to shine forth into the darkness that other people might see a different way to walk away from the darkness and into the light something in my heart burns and what I'm what I'm asking and I'm just praying even right now that the Holy Spirit would move in some of your hearts is is there anything like that happening in your heart not everyone is called to, to church leadership and I'm talking leadership in many different forms leadership maybe with a microphone leadership with spreadsheets leadership with gifts with leadership with spiritual gifts apostles prophets evangelists pastors teachers gift of administration faith miracles if there's something in your heart that says i want to be involved in seeing the church arise in my generation in just a moment i'm going to invite you to stand. And this isn't going to be for everybody because some people, they're called to be Christians and their primary place that they work that out is in the workplace. Some of you are called to be like Daniel and you live in secular courts and offices and you shine the light of Christ primarily there. But there are some of you you just sense there is something happening in your heart. You say, "No, I, I want to see. I want to be. I want to give my efforts, my energies, to seeing the church arise." We're just going to invite you to stand in just a moment, and then what we're going to do is, I'm just going to lead us in a prayer for you as you stand. I love the way Joe articulated it just a few days ago, and he said, "You might not even be able to, like." really say what it looks like or feels like but you just sense the Holy Spirit laying a weight on your heart that's that's exactly how I felt it took me a few years to like really look and understand the church and where I was going to fit in and what but it's just I really want the church to do well so if that's you can I ask you to stand this might be the first time you've ever like made something like this known You might be thinking, okay, my friends in the youth group are now, they know, like, what's in my heart. We are going to need young men and women who are bold for Jesus. Amazing. Okay, if you're sat... Maybe just stay sitting for a moment. You might want to just reach out a hand just as a symbol of the fact that you're going to pray with me as we pray for these guys. Father, we thank you for your son and we thank you for giving us the Holy Spirit. We thank you that you have given gifts to your church that she might arise. And Lord, we say thank you for these men and women who have stood right now in this moment, who sense a burden, the embryonic moments of a calling on their life to see your church arise. And Lord Jesus, we pray that you would pour out your Holy Spirit right now upon their hearts and upon their minds. Lord, that this precious moment would be the start of a lifelong journey of seeing your church grow and mature. I pray, Lord God, that there would be men and women here who would walk in great power and spiritual anointing. May there be apostles Arising from this field. May there be prophets for the church. May there be evangelists. May there be pastors. May there be teachers who would strengthen and equip your church. We pray put good people, good mentors, good fathers, good mothers around these men and women that they might find good soil to flourish in, we pray. We pray for protection. Watch over them, we pray. Thank you, Father. If you stood, I mean, it may be known now to your youth leader, but I, I'm going to ask you to, to talk to your youth leader. If you haven't already, even if it's just, like I don't really understand what's going on in my heart, but... Please, could you pray and could we talk more and help me, guide me? What does this look like? Now I'm going to invite all of us to stand. When Christ was crucified, He took the darkness of the world on himself. We're told in Jerusalem, supernaturally at that moment, darkness covered the face of the earth over Christ because he was sucking in the darkness so that he could burst forth light that would spread across the nations. And right now, we, a chosen race, a chosen generation, we are a part of the unfolding and the spreading forth of his light across the nations. And the promise is this to us, church, that one day the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. That one day everyone will see the excellencies of the Jesus that we see. It will be revealed. And I want to declare these words over you. Charge us before Jesus as we serve his church. New day, arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth. And thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord, he will arise upon you. And his glory will be seen upon you. And nations shall come to your light. And kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together and they come to you. Your sons shall come from afar. And your daughters shall be carried on their hip. Then you shall see and be radiant. Your heart shall thrill and exult.